Good morning, everyone, and welcome. I'm Matt Lyle, and today is Wednesday, June 24th, and this is episode 15 of the Coffee with Coach Lyle show, where I help parents, coaches, and athletes around the world tackle the challenges of life in athletics. Welcome, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, if you're just tuning in, let me know where you're, that you're here. Hit that like button. Uh, let me know where you're tuning in from. Yesterday, we had uh, people from all over the world, from Australia, Africa, Canada. Always fun to see everyone all over around the world. It's fun to see everybody here again, uh, morning after morning. Ted's tuning in every morning. Mike, I appreciate you tuning in every morning. Uh, Michael asked, Starbucks coffee mug. Yes, if you haven't noticed at all, I'm a huge Disney fan, huge Disneyland fan. So this is a Disneyland coffee mug that you get at Starbucks in Disneyland. Uh, so you just always grew up a big Disney fan. And that, and that when you have a lot of kids like I do, uh, you become a big Disney fan. So good morning, everybody. Good morning from all over the world. Ted's in Sugar Hill, Georgia. Uh, Ernesto, good morning. Brawley Wildcats Vaspish team, awesome. Robin, always good to see you. Thanks for tuning in. Robin, coming from Canada, it's awesome. Christina from Perlin, Texas, awesome. Manny's tuning in from Redlands. Trevor, good morning. I got a, one of my brothers is named Trevor. Great name. Melissa, good morning. Brad, good to see you again. Everyone who's tuning in, I, it's just awesome to see you. a lot of you guys tuning in every morning. Uh, if you're just tuning in uh, again, I, you know, I know, I know I sound like a broken record if you've tuned in a bunch of times, but one of the ways that this show gets out to a lot more people is the more engagement we get, the more times you can like it, the more you can share it, uh, the more people get to see this show. So if you're just tuning in hit that like button, if you've been a fan every morning, you've been watching this every morning and you feel like there's some value to this show, maybe it helps you out or helps parents out or coaches out. Hit that share button for me, okay? So our goal for the morning, our goal always is going to be 300 likes. We're trying to get that 300 likes button. So hit that like button. We're trying to get to 50 shares. We're right around 30 to 40 shares per uh, per week. Our record is 71. See if we can break the record today. If we get over 50 shares, I'm going to send someone, a, a random winner, a signed copy of my book, Dear Coach. And next week, I've got some actually really cool prizes we're going to give away, some really good stuff, and I'll tell you guys about that later. So Pablo says, baseball is back. Yes, MLB made a, a deal yesterday. Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, season to see how that all works with the uh, COVID. But I'm looking up at my scoreboard right now, and we've already got 92 likes on my scoreboard. So thank you very much. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. Um, and remember... If you can't join us in the morning, 7 a.m., if you can't join us in the mornings or you prefer to listen in the car or somewhere else as you're cleaning the house, I like to listen to podcasts while I'm cleaning the house with my headphones in. This Coffee with Coach Lyle show goes up on podcasts about two hours after this show, so you can always go to Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify podcasts. Uh, we've had over a thousand downloads of the of the show so far, which is incredible. Uh, people are giving it five star reviews. So if you if you've reviewed the podcast on Apple and you've given it five stars, thank you. If you've downloaded and listened to it on podcast, I appreciate you doing that. So thank you. If you're just tuning in, let me know where you're tuning in from. You got people from all over the world today. Again, uh, just I, I really appreciate that. People from all over. Robbie says good afternoon from England. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Drake is in Louisiana. That's that's really cool. I uh, appreciate uh, you doing that. Some of the best food I've ever had is in Louisiana. Um, so a big seafood fan. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, as we get in, as we get uh, settled in today, <clears throat> today's starting lineup will lead off with a question for everyone. I always like to having a good question for you guys. Then I'm going to share an uh, anonymous parent email. Uh, and our main topic this morning is going to be about failure, how to embrace it, how to learn from it, and ultimately how to fail forward. As always, we'll do 10 minutes of Q&A. So start thinking about what questions you might have today. It could be about anything under the sun, uh, parenting, coaching. Uh, it could be about failure. So think about what question you might have for our Q&A session. The Q&A session is only 10 minutes long, so it goes by really fast. So again, thanks everybody. Good morning. Uh, San Diego, one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, Emily from Twin Cities, Minnesota. Big fan of Minnesota. My, my youngest brother played baseball and football at Bethel University in Minnesota, so went out there a couple times. Sherman, Texas. One of my old, my old high school football coach lives in Sherman, Texas. Uh, great little place. 
So thank you, everybody. Oklahoma, awesome. Uh, again, if you're just tuning in, let me know where you're tuning in from. And today's question of the day, today's question of the morning is, who were your sports heroes growing up? Okay, I want to know who were your sports heroes growing up. Um, so I'll give you a couple of mine. <clears throat> I grew up in the Bay Area. I went to so many Oakland A's games with my mom and my grandma uh, as a kid. And we would sit in the left field bleachers. So my hero was Ricky Henderson. I wanted to be like him. I emulated him with my swing, with how I played the game. Ricky Henderson was my hero. Um, and a couple years ago, I got to meet him. Uh, I was part of the MLB All-Star Game a couple years ago, uh, and I got to be part of this home run derby, uh, wiffle ball home run derby. Long story for another day, but I won the I won the bat flip competition, and Ricky Henderson was the judge. I got to meet him and talk to him, and I emulated him. It was just it was incredible. Uh, and then some of my other big heroes were uh, Dan Marino. For whatever reason, as a little kid, I was about six years old when the Dolphins went to the Super Bowl against the 49ers, and I, and I was a huge Dan Marino fan. And then as I got older, I became a big Shaquille O'Neal fan. <clears throat> and then in high school, uh, the guy I wanted to be the most was Dion, Dion Sanders, primetime. I even had his mask on my football helmet. I dressed like him. I wanted to be like primetime. Uh, almost embarrassing how much uh, I want to be like him. So who were your sports uh, heroes growing up? I I'm very curious to hear. Uh, Ron says, Tony Gwynn. Oh man, Tony Gwynn, such an awesome guy. I know he has a special, I think, on MLB Network that is really worth watching about his life uh, and his family's on it. Uh, I would really uh, encourage you guys to check that one out. Bill says, Willie Mays. Uh, my dad grew up a huge Giants fan, still is a Giants fan. Willie Mays is one of his uh, favorites. Sean says David Robinson, big fan of David Robinson. That guy, uh, he was fun to watch as a kid. Ben says Ryan Sandberg. Oh man, you know, growing up in the, being born in the '70s, being a baseball fan in the '80s, and the Cubs games and Braves games were on TV all the time. Ryan Sandberg was a huge fan. Uh, you know, I was a big, huge fan. Walter Payton, Michael, that's a great one. Man, I was a huge fan of Walter Payton. That guy was a stud. Uh, tragic uh, life at the end of it, but man, that was a awesome, awesome uh, guy. Uh, Brad says, uh, Cal Ripken Jr., Maryland. There was another choice. I agree. One of my best friends is a diehard Cal Ripken fan. Uh, I have some signed baseballs in my office right here. Uh, when I worked for the Oakland A's, so I did the, the out-of-town scoreboard for the Oakland A's for 17 years, and I got to meet Cal Ripken one time. I took a picture um, for my buddy with him. Super nice guy. Uh, I was glad to have met him in my life, and I've got a signed ball uh, by him in my office right now. Um, let's see. John says, Pete Rose and Johnny Bench, Reds fans. I've got, actually, if you see right here, uh, right there, that, that ball right there, this ball I have in my collection is a 1983 uh, Philadelphia Phillies team sign ball. Steve Carlton, Mike Schmidt, and Pete Rose. Uh, it's a great story to go along with that ball. I'll tell you another day, one of my dad's best friends was the shortstop for that Phillies team and, and gave me that ball as a six-year-old. And I've had that ball now for 37 years. Uh, it's one of my prized possessions. Uh, Pete Rose signed ball and uh, everything. Renee says, uh, good morning and hello from New Zealand. Awesome. It's on my bucket list. I want to go to New Zealand in the next year or two. Robin says, Ken Griffey Jr. Man, Ken Griffey Jr. That guy is just, he's incredible. He was, uh, he was uh, after my time in the sense of a kid idol, but he was an awesome, awesome guy. Magic Johnson. Eric says, Eric Davis. Loved Eric Davis. That guy was a stud. Michael Jordan. For whatever reason, I, I always respected and loved Michael Jordan, but I never, I never, he was never one of my idols. Trevor says, Edgar Martinez. Uh... Ruben says Mike Sosha and Kobe, obviously. Wade Boggs, an incredible, incredible hitter. Amanda's pulling out some great 80s, 90s studs right there. Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, Bruce has some good answers right here. Ted Williams and Rick Vaughn. Uh, huge fan of Rick Vaughn uh, and Ted Williams, but that's awesome. Drake uh, Drake says Thurman Munson, big fan. Uh, Bill, ha the first kind of new guy we've heard, Mike Trout. Mike Trout is a stud, man. He... He's gonna go, he could go down as one of the greatest players of all time. Mike says Carlton Fisk, another guy I kind of grew up watching. Pablo says Roberto Clemente. Man, I, I read about him all growing up. An incredible, incredible man. If you don't know the history of Roberto Clemente, I highly, highly recommend uh, doing some research, uh, getting a book, some books about him. He's worth learning about, okay? Uh, 
Chipper Jones. So Chipper Jones was a huge, I was a huge, huge fan of Chipper Jones. I, I actually have some of his ba rookie baseball cards as a kid. I was a huge baseball card collector. I don't know if any of you are like that, but I was a huge baseball card collector. And I say huge, thousands and thousands and thousands of cards. I went to all the card shows. Uh, he was definitely someone I had. Nathan says Joe Montana and Chris Sabo. My dad was a huge, huge fan of John Mon Joe Montana, San Francisco 49ers fans. My entire family is 49ers fans. All of them big Joe Montana fans. Charity, good morning. Thanks for tuning in. Bill says, I became a huge Clemente fan watching him in the 71 World Series. Rewatched it and recently blew me away. Yeah, I mean, he was just he was just incredible. Again, if you don't know who he is uh, or if you don't know a lot about him, he's worth doing some research on. Just Even if you just have heard his name before, I uh, highly recommend uh, getting into him a little bit. So that's some great feedback. Again, if you're just tuning in, I want to know where you're tuning in from. And we were, I was at the question of the morning was, you know, who were your idols? Who were the people that you uh, idolized in the sports world growing up? We had so many great answers, had some really, really good stuff there. And I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, so get, 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 let me hear from you on those things. That was the question of the day. Again, if you're just tuning in, we're trying to get to 300 likes today. We're trying to get to 300 likes. And we are, my scoreboard shows 134 likes this morning. So thank you for everybody hitting that like button, hitting that share button. I appreciate it very much. Jason's tuning in from Pacifica, California. Beautiful place. Beautiful, beautiful place. James is in Norman, Oklahoma. And James is Pete Rose. Pete Rose, man, the hit king. That guy, uh, he's been incredible uh, his whole life, obviously. Ron says, uh, Jerry Rice and Ronnie Lott. Wow, you're talking my language right there, man. Those guys, I grew up watching both of them. My family, huge, huge fans of, of those guys. So uh, thank you very much. All right, so let's get into our Dear Coach segment of the morning. Our Dear Coach segment is where I read a story or email uh, from parents in my book, Dear Coach. If you haven't checked out my book yet, Dear Coach, Go to Amazon, search Dear Coach uh, or search Dear Coach Lyle on Amazon. And uh, this book, it's been an incredible journey. I wrote this about a year ago with the help of a lot of uh, uh, people turning in stories and emails. And you guys have supported this book really well. We, it's been climbing the bestsellers list. It keeps climbing and climbing. Thank you so much, uh, even almost a year later. And 100% of the proceeds go to the base uh, foundation, the base.org. Uh, you can look into them. So, and, and you have to understand, this entire book, these stories are all real. These are real stories and real emails. And some of them don't seem real. I, a lot of times people get the book and like, what about that one story? It just doesn't seem real. I'm like, no, this that was real. This is These are all real. I've read some of these emails. I've read a lot of these emails. So, um, you know, it's pretty crazy to see this. So today's Dear Coach story. Today's Dear Coach story is a good one. It's from an anonymous parent email, which you guys, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten anonymous parent emails, but they, every time you get one, it's like, yeah, I know who the parent is that that, that sent that. So uh, let's, let's get into today's. Dear Coach Story. Uh, it it kind of gets prefaced by when I got this email. It says, Coach Lyle, please note that this was sent to us anonymously, but we knew exactly whose parents sent it. Unfortunately, over the course of the season, other parents and coaches received similar anonymous emails from this dad. My heart breaks for this ch parent's child because he is actually a great kid. I feel like that's always the story. Great kid, and the parent seems to ruin it sometimes. So here's the email. Dear Coach, how about being fair? My son sat for two innings in a game where crybaby Bobby didn't sit out. You tell the boys that everyone sits, but it's not so. I don't think lying to the boys sets a good example for them. I hear that's why Chris, another kid on the team, quit. He got tired of your self-righteous crap. You are a poor role model for the boys and need to improve yourself. The boys are not the problem. You are. Bobby's performance on the mound was disgraceful the way he carried himself. Quit kissing his butt and put him where he belongs. No other boys get by with what he does, and Marcus played well at shortstop as Bobby pitched. He is easily replaceable. You are tearing this team apart by not being fair. Sincerely, Anonymous Parent. And it says, Coach's Note, Keep in mind, these kids are 9 and 10-year-olds. Wow. 
I mean, uh, sadly, it's, I wish I could say I was shocked by that email or it's the first time I've ever seen an email like that, but it's definitely not the case. Uh, check out the awesome uh, drawing by uh, Wes Mulbash here. Wes Mulbash is the illustrator of this book. He did an incredible job uh, with the illustrations and just did an a amazing job telling the stories with, uh, with illustrations of this book. And so uh, if you don't know Wes Mulbash, give him a Google or, or look for him on Instagram. He's an incredible artist. So uh, the, the famous anonymous email. Man, I can tell you, I said some of you have probably gotten emails like that. It's pretty crazy. Uh, so, hey, you know how it is. Uh, again, thanks for everybody for tuning in this morning. I appreciate it very much. Uh, we got people tuning in from all over the world this morning uh, from New Zealand. We've got Greg from uh, British Columbia uh, in Canada. That's awesome. Kristen. Uh, tuning in from Columbia, South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. Columbia, one of my favorite cities I've ever lived in. Still uh, going to be a Gamecock until uh, the day I die. Great uh, great city, great place to live, uh, great people, and so much so much great food, honestly. Um, Dana says, good morning from Muskogee, Oklahoma. Marco says, in Pasco, Washington. Barry Sanders and Bo Jackson. Now we're talking. Those guys were studs. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, Gordon says, uh, hey, Coach Gordon, tuning in from Ireland. Awesome. Again, another bucket list place. that, And we've actually looked at flights to Ireland this year, August, September. Uh, unfortunately, this COVID thing kind of making it tough. But we were looking at visiting Ireland uh, this August or September. And, and so maybe we'll come see you, Gordon, uh, one of the places we really want to go. If you're just tuning in, uh, the question of the day was, uh, where are you from and where are you tuning in from and who was your sports idols growing up? Who were your sports idols growing up? We've had so many great answers, a lot of baseball answers, Pete Rose, um, you know, uh, Willie Mays, Roberto Clemente, a lot of really great answers uh, from people on who their sports heroes were. Uh, we're trying to get to 300 likes today and we're trying to get to 50 shares. My scoreboard shows 170 likes right now. So if you're just tuning in, hit that like button, hit that share button if you can. Uh, Sean's tuning in from the middle of America, uh, Council uh, Bluffs, Iowa. Got a lot, of, a lot of people from Oklahoma this morning. That's awesome. Uh, John shares a little quick story. So the very first baseball game was on older brother's birthday, July 9th, 1971. We saw the Pirates at the Braves, Clemente versus Aaron. To top it off, Aaron hit a home run. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, that's pretty awesome. A lot of good heroes. Magic Johnson's came up a few times. Uh, our first softball person, Lisa Fernandez. That's awesome, Christina. Lisa Fernandez is obviously an incredible, incredible stud. John says, Catfish Hunter. Huge fan of Catfish Hunter, big Ace fan uh, growing up. And we've had a few Johnny Benches too. Johnny Bench, obviously, big stud uh, player. So, you know, thanks everybody for sharing with, you, with us on that. So uh, let's get into our main topic of the day. For today's main topic, I want to talk about failure. Here's the thing, you know, what's the secret to success? We talk about this all the time. What's the secret to success? You could say it's hard work uh, or dedication, positive attitude, but the real secret secret to me is failure, okay? And so today I'm going to teach you how to embrace it, how to learn from it, and ultimately how to fail forward, okay? So let's talk about, let's talk about that right now. So failure, uh, what is failure and, and what does it look like? You know, the definition of failure varies greatly among people. It's a, you know, it's, it can be a very personal thing, failure. And each person defines their own idea of what success looks like and what failure looks like. You know, for some people, uh, success only is this and some people failure is this. So the definition is pretty all over the place. But whatever that definition is for you or your kids, you know, when you lose, uh, you'll need time and space to put it into proper perspective. So you got to figure out for you what is success and what is failure. You got to kind of define it for yourself. And there are actually plenty of ways to fail. Okay. So, you know, having a bad idea, uh, not executing well, not having the courage to change or adapt or not building the right team, uh, making bad decisions. These are all kind of ways that we define failure. But another way of failing to me is just not even trying, like not trying to me is, is a big failure. And, and there are more typical, uh, tangible ways that we fail that are, are defined by the world around us. 
But there are a lot of things in life that are hard. You might even see, you know, they might even seem insurmountable, uh, especially if you've experienced a lot of failure in life and setback. You know, I personally have had a lot of failure in my life. I, I look around uh, to my peers, and if I was to compare myself, I like to think, man, I've, I've failed more than all of these people. I, I've had so much failure in my life uh, and, and in setbacks and roadblocks, and, they, and I, I could have quit so many times along the way, um, but... The things I'm going to talk to you about today are things that help me to survive those failures, to learn from them, to embrace them, to get better. So the first thing is kind of admitting the failure and embracing it. You know, being able to admit you failed at something is a liberating experience. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm holding on to this thing. I don't want to fail. And they're not willing to admit it. You know, one of the hardest things to say is I failed. Okay. Like I said, I can tell you coaching jobs, mistakes I've made, uh, losing games. Uh, It's hard to admit you failed. And so the real reason admitting failure is so hard is it makes us feel vulnerable. Vulnerability is hard. Uh, And it's something that I have learned as I've gotten older to get better and better at. But, you know, I've had to come to teams at the end of a game and say, hey guys, I made a mistake. I lost the game for us. It was my fault. It was on me. I should have done this better and I didn't and and I failed. So, for me, uh, you know, being vulnerable, it's tough and, and admitting it can be tough. You know, many people become scared of failure, not only to want to embrace it, but they often, they just, they're just scared to put themselves out there. We all have a desire to like feel good. We all, we all want to feel good about ourselves. And when we fail at something, we don't feel good about ourselves. We become less confident uh, and we're, we're less likely to take new risks uh, and try new things because it's like, you know what? I failed so many times. I don't want to fail again. I'm scared of failing. So you know what? I'm just not going to try again. And this quote over here uh, by Michael Jordan, you know, I can accept failure. Everyone fails at something, but I can't accept not trying. I think for a lot of us, we get stuck in that. Athletes get stuck in that. It's like, you know what? I'm not going to try this new thing because it's really, uh, really difficult to try something new. And you know what? I failed so many times. I don't want to do it again. And I can tell you, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking from my heart. These are things that I feel, uh, you know, all the time. There, there are times that uh, I have felt these things every day. So, uh, you know, by admitting it, you're literally setting yourself free of the weight of it. Okay. So admit it, say, you know what? I failed. Boom. I don't care. Uh, and I, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to get better. I'm going to embrace it. And we learn from an early age for whatever reason, as whether it's our parents, coaches, teachers, we learn from an early age that failure is bad. So why would we want to embrace it? Okay, we talked about all the time, like as, as, as a lot of our society, they tell us failure is bad. So why would I want to embrace that? Uh, but once you've embraced it, uh, you're no longer, you know, fearful of it. When you embrace failure, it allows you to move past the negatives and the disappointments and, cha- and it can change your mindset from failure is bad to failure can be good. And here's how to make it a tool for you. So in every situation, there are negatives and positives. And embracing failure isn't any different, okay? So let's talk about the negative ways that you can embrace failure. You know, there are many people who see embracing failure as a negative or like a sign of weakness, okay? We talk about this a lot. A lot of, I think, a lot of kids in that uh, high school range, 10 to 18-year-old range in college, they feel like failure is a weakness. They try to keep their failures hidden. You know, we, I, I, as a kid, we use the, the analogy like the man behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. He was hiding back there uh, cause, because they believe that failure, you know, embracing it, uh, that they're giving up, they're giving in, or they're setting lower standards. You know, a lot of times I think we, a lot of kids look at it, failure as giving up. Uh, like, you know what? I don't want to quit. I don't want to give up. Uh, so I don't want to admit that I failed at this thing. I'm going to just keep grinding on it. So defining yourself, and for, for me, identity and defining yourself as a failure is another way of embracing it. So a, a negative way of embracing it. It's an excuse to say, I can't do it. I give up. Why bother? You know what I mean? And, and what people who, don't, who see failure this way, they don't recognize that sometimes you need to go back to the base of the mountain to start climbing again. You know, Miley Cyrus has this song. I know how different people always feel about Miley Cyrus, but she has a song about the climb. And to me, it resonates with me because uh, failure just means we go back to the base of the mountain. We start the climb again. So, and I, I embrace the climb. The climb to me is where you grow and you, you, you get better. So let's talk about positive ways that we can embrace failure. Embracing failure positively, you know, it requires leave of faith. 
But once you jump over the hurdle, you'll understand that fearing failure only holds you back from reaching your potential. Like once you've embraced it and you're, you can accept it, you're, you can be vulnerable with it, you can understand that you can reach your potential. Using failure as an opportunity to learn is a healthy way to deal with the emotions that come from it. <clears throat> uh, it's even better if you can embrace it in a team setting. So if you can embrace it, own it, not just to yourself, but in a team setting, you, if you go to your team, if you're an athlete, high school, college player, and you say, hey, I failed, guys. I let you guys down. Allowing that support system to embrace it and embrace your failure, they can pick you up, and it's really good. By acknowledging it as a team, like if, it, if it's a team failure, if we all can acknowledge it that, and we can all fail, that's okay. Because now it's like, oh, you know what? Different players on my team, we all failed. We failed together, and we can move on versus feeling like I'm the only one who failed because that's not usually the case, especially in sports or team sports. And by recognizing that everyone fails, you're able to embrace it as a regular part of your life. Most of the way that we learn, the way that I've learned in life, is trial and error. We, you know, uh, we, we fall down, we get back up again. We fall down, we get back up again. That, that famous song, uh, you know, getting knocked down and getting back up again. <clears throat> and it's natural to recognize that everyone fails and often. Like you have to understand like failure happens often. Uh, it can happen every day in practice. Uh, and so for me, understanding it's not like a one-time thing. We don't fail once at life. I could list a million failures in my life. It would take me forever to list them all. So <clears throat> while here's why failure is crucial to growth and personal success. Failure gives us some of our best lessons in life. Failure inspires us to be better and acts as a source of motivation. For me, it's a definitely a motivation. Failure teaches humility. Uh, a lot of failure definitely teaches humility, and humility is a really good thing to have. Failure, when embraced properly, allows us to take more risks. Uh, I want athletes to take risks. I want parents and, and, and adults, you guys, I want you to take more risks in life. And failure makes success taste even better. There's a great quote by uh, Derek Jeter that says, you know, all of my failures, uh, something about, you know, my failures lead to my successes feeling so much better. Like again, when, those, when, you, when you've had those failures, when you get some success and you get a big win, it's huge. Uh, and failure makes us human. That's one of the things that's awesome about it. And, and if you have to fail... And you do, you have to, you have to fail forward. So let's talk about failing forward. You know, uh, over the history of time, they, they, you know, you think about people, they laughed at Christopher Columbus when he said he was going to, when he was going to go around the world. Uh, they all laughed at Thomas Edison when he recorded sound. Think about the Wilbur brothers uh, when, they, when they said they were going to be the first ones to build the airplane and fly. I mean, I guess that those people failed <clears throat> Especially like the 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 uh, the Wright brothers that uh, they they probably failed a million times before it worked, and there are tons of people in history that failed so many times. By any objective measure, we would all call them failures. Like if we were to say, you know what, these are the measurements of failure, we would say they all failed. And yet, those people, the greatest people in the world, they feel like they're okay with failure. Have you noticed that? Like they 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 accepted it, they embraced it. Why? Because the most inventive people are usually the best at failing forward, meaning they're learning from what they do wrong. Okay, so failing forward is taking that failure, learning from it, and then taking it to the next risk, taking it back to the base of the mountain, getting to the starting to the climb and saying, okay, I learned that mistake that time. This time I'm going to do this differently. You know, uh, Christopher Columbus, for example, he insisted the world was round and, uh, he, he, he missed America on the first time. He didn't even land here, right? And there's a lot of history behind that. You know, the Wright brothers claimed that flying was possible, and then he, they nearly cure, killed themselves. If you ever look into the Wright brothers, they, they literally almost killed themselves several times, uh, but they failed forward and became the fathers of aviation. And, you know, we talk about the Wright brothers now in the history of the world is like, uh, you know, they're, they're, they are cemented in history forever, which is kind of cool. And, and then we have Albert Einstein. That, everyone knows the name Albert Einstein, right? One, one of the most incredible people in history. Uh, he was a genius. 
but if you knew if you know his story a little bit, he was kind of a lousy student. He literally failed his way through school uh, and everything else. I, I said I wish I would love to see him uh, in, in school nowadays. He probably is a 2.0 student, right? Uh, but ended up being one of the most incredible inventors of all time. Uh, and we would say if you were to measure his life for the first half of his life, people would say uh, he was a big failure. Uh, one of the things I want you guys to remember back, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the Olympics. I watched Usain Bolt over the years. And to me, I was Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt are two people that I was just glued to the screen. If they were going to compete, I wanted to watch them. They were the best in the world, the best of all time at the sport that they did. <clears throat> But, but, you know, at the end of uh, Usain Bolt's uh, time, back in 2017, he ran in the 100-meter dash in the World Championships in London, okay? And he had a 45-race uh, win streak. He gets in the World Championship, and he finishes in third place, okay? Third place. And it was like, everyone's like shocked. It's like, what? This guy, greatest athlete of all time. He's got a 45-race win. He's never going to lose. Uh, he's, I mean, he's pretty much... Uh, I can't think of anybody who would argue that he was the greatest sprinter of all time. Um, but here's the thing. Perfection does not exist, even for someone as talented and strong as Us Usain Bolt. Okay, Perfection does not exist, especially in sports, especially in sports like baseball or softball where we fail so, so much. And you can't expect to succeed at everything you do. Okay, I, I know for me, uh, sometimes I think that way and I, and I get humbled pretty quickly. You just need to accept the fact that you're going to fail if you're going to do your best work, you need to make sure that everyone on the team understands, hey, we're going to fail. We're going to, go, we're going to try our best. We're going to fail. We're going to learn from it. We're going to get better. Uh, and if you're a coach listening, you need to free your team from the shackles of perfection. Uh, don't let them ruin uh, you know, their season, their practices, trying to be perfect. We want to practice as good as we can for that. And when we fail, we're going to fail. Let's get better at it. Let's, let's improve on it. Let's learn from it. But if it's just like... Hey, here's the, the perfection is the measurement. And if you don't get there, you failed. Your team is not going to get better. They're not going to learn from that. So, uh, you know, let's talk about managing your mindset or your team's mindset for failure. Okay. So here's what happens. Athletes, young and old, uh, they have high expectations. Okay. Parents, you know this. Our kids have high, high expectations. You have high expectations of them. They tell themselves they're going to win for the team, make no mistakes. They're going to hit the most home runs. Uh, they're going to throw the most touchdowns. They're going to score the most goals. Like players have really high expectations, and then when they and when they don't meet them, parents or athletes, they're really hard on themselves. Uh, and when you, when they're really hard on themselves, it hurts their confidence and it hurts their performance. So without confidence, it's tough for kids to play harder when they're having a bad day. So if perfection is the, is the metric, they're failing at that, they're not getting exactly what they get, guess what? Their confidence is going to go way down. And if they don't have confidence, it's difficult to bounce back from a tough play, a mistake or, or something bad that happens. You know, I think about the uh, Muhammad Ali. If you grew up, uh, you're an older guy like me, you know about Muhammad Ali. You know, his road to success was, was, wasn't devoid of set, setbacks. That guy had so many setbacks. Uh, I read an article that says, in the early days of boxing, experts used a series of measurements to assess a boxer's skills. And when he, just was start, when he was just starting out, Muhammad Ali failed every single one of the tests. He failed every test. But what made Muhammad Ali great, if you know him at all, was he had confidence that bordered on arrogance. You know, I think uh, the term that we used uh, growing up in, in high school and college was cocky. He was, you know, almost cocky. Uh, and after he defeated Sonny Liston for the first time, uh, this is the quote Ali said, I want everyone to bear witness. I am the greatest. I am the greatest thing that ever lived. I don't have a mark on my face and I upset Sonny Liston and I just turned 22 years old. I must be the greatest. Okay, so, and the message here is not everyone is going to believe in you. That's why you must have faith in yourself. You must learn to rely on your own goals no matter what your challenges uh, encounter. And remember, Muhammad Ali, before that, he failed every test. People told me he wasn't going to be great. He wasn't going to beat Sonny Liston. And to me, his statement wasn't about just pure arrogance and being a jerk. He was saying, you know what? No one believed in me. I believed in me. I'm going to be the greatest. I, and so 
having that belief. You can't have that belief if you haven't failed and had a lot of people not believe in you. So, you know, let's learn from that. Let's learn from our failure. Young players should view mistakes as an opportunity, not as a punishment to figure out how to improve their performance instead of getting frustrated. For example, um, you know, if a kid has trouble hitting, let's talk about baseball, for example, or softball, a kid has trouble hitting a certain pitch, a curveball in their last game or softball, you know what? I can't hit that drop ball. Next practice, let's work on those things. Let's just, let's not bury them. Let's not get in trouble for them. Uh, you know, you've got to come up with some type of a flushing mechanism. Uh, you know, when a child makes a mistake and looks at the coach or the parent, uh, one of the, the, the things that we say is flush it or flush away the mistake, or we say, what's your flush mechanism? This is something I've used in my coaching for 20 years. So our players each have to identify their flush mechanism. Um, for our hitters, a lot of times they might, after they make a mistake at the plate, they'll take their foot and they'll scratch the batter's box with their foot, kind of wiping away the mistake, wiping it clean, flushing it, letting it go. As a fielder, sometimes they, uh, we have our fielders look at the foul pole. Every baseball, softball field has foul poles. So they'll look at the foul pole, they'll flush it, and then they'll come back to the moment. And so, and, and, and I'll tell you, I've got some players that really have a hard time flushing it. Let's say they strike out. In college, we've got dugouts where we've got, sometimes we've got bathrooms or locker rooms. I allow our players to go back there. You know, they can scream and yell in that 20 to 30 seconds, flush it, and then get back to the field. But when they get back, they've got to be locked in. So... We talk about a flush mechanism, and I, and I tell them they have enough they have enough time to flush it in the time between plays. Like in basketball, sometimes in football, you don't have very much time, especially in like sport like basketball or soccer. But in football, baseball, softball, sometimes and even volleyball, you've got about thirty seconds to get your mind right, to flush it, to get back locked in. And so, uh, you know, as the saying goes, we learn from our mistakes. Embracing failure is the reason why. Parents let their children fall down and get back up again. Okay, same thing. I think about your, your children when they first started to, to, to walk. You know, we didn't yell at them every time they fell down. They got back up and fell down. We didn't say, you suck at walking. Come on, you can do it. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we embrace it. We, we were patient with them. Uh, it's the reason why students, uh, you know, the exams, and it's the reason why sports athletes have come back after major defeats. So lastly, you know, You've got to learn to love, lo learning to love the risks, okay? Uh, but you need to learn how to view failure in a different light. Uh, you know, our kids need to learn how to make mistakes uh, and to make sure it's okay in their mind. Uh, when one sees failure in a different light, one learns to love to take risks. So when we can go from, in, from uh, making failure a bad thing to making it a positive thing and embracing it, you know, we start to take risks more. And we love to take risks more. And I'm telling you, in that space where kids learn to take risks, that's where they grow the most. That's where they learn. Uh, and so for me, I want to encourage risk. Even at the college level, we're talking about, we're telling our athletes all the time, take risks, learn how to uh, take risks. And if you're coaching, if you're a parent or you're coaching kids, I don't care what age they are, when an athlete makes a mistake, do not remove them from the game or do not punish them. Sit them on the bench right away. I know a lot of coaches I've seen a lot of times in basketball, you make a mistake or a turnover, boom, timeout, you go onto the bench. Don't do this. Uh, instead, keep them in the game. Support them. Tell them it's okay. Hey, buddy, you got the next one. I, we got your back. It's even better when you, if you're a, if you're a student athlete listening to me right now talking. You know, if if you're a pitcher or a second baseman and the first baseman makes an error, point at them. Hey, buddy, you got it. Hey, it's all right. Shake it off. Flush it. Get the next one. We got your back. Positive talk. Because you got to imagine the next time they get one, how much confidence you're instilling with them when you do that versus, come on, you got to do that. Come on. Or you just put them on the bench. You know, this tells the kid that you believe in them. You've got their back uh, and you're letting them know, hey, get ready for the next play. I believe in you. Uh, and, and you may think that taking risk is risky for your sport. Okay. So you might think, oh, I don't want, I don't want my kids uh, taking a lot of risks. But the reality is that not taking risk is, is far more risky because playing the game safe uh, is, is not the way to go. You cannot get the most success that way. So, you know, we teach our kids all the time, thinking about in baseball and softball, being aggressive on the bases and taking risks because that way they can learn what they're 
learn what their ceiling is. They can learn how far they can reach. But if, if we're coaching them in these little boxes, and here are the rules that you have to do all the time and don't let them take any risks, you don't know what they're capable of. Okay? Uh, so, at, you know, the biggest thing that I teach our kids is to, is to learn how to problem solve efficiently. Uh, learning to problem solve is one of the positive outcomes when athletes overcome challenges. It teaches us new and different ways to tackling the challenge. So, uh, you know, helping your kids to solve the problems on their own, that's another way versus the coaches doing it. And again, we can't be afraid to fail. Uh, that's, that's one of the biggest things. We cannot be afraid to f- fail. I think if you look at a, a lot of athletes in, in the world uh, talking about failure, you know, uh, let's talk about, you know, Everyone knows who Babe Ruth is. Even my, even little kids know who Babe Ruth are. Even if you don't, if you're not, if you're not a baseball fan, you know um, who Babe Ruth is. Here's the thing you gotta understand about Babe Ruth. At one time, he held the record, uh, major league record, all time for strikeouts. If we were just to look at that metric, Babe Ruth was a huge failure. Huge failure. Uh, he's one of the all-time uh, strikeout leaders. I think Reggie Jackson might be the stri- strikeout leader right now. Reggie Jackson, the Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players of all time. I think he leads the MLB in strikeouts, career strikeouts. So is he a failure? Are these are those two people failures? And, it, and their success oversh- overshadows their failures b- because they took risks, okay? Uh, Babe Ruth said one time, one of my favorite quotes, I've used this many, many times in my life, Every strike brings me closer to my next home run. So just as Babe Ruth fails, failures led to his success, so should yours. Okay? Use failure as fuel. Think about this. Use failure as fuel. When Michael Jordan uh, tried out for his varsity team, if you watched, if you know the story, uh, tried to make the varsity team as a freshman, sophomore, didn't make, didn't make the varsity team. And a great quote by Michael Jordan here that I've written down says, I've missed over 9,000 shots in my career. 9,000. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and I missed. 26 game-winning shots and I've missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life and that is why I succeed. Think about that. Let your failure drive you in your career. Use every setback as motivation to do better in your future. Do not give up. Think about someone like Peyton Manning who's won two Super Bowls, but he's been to four of them. And it took him almost 10 years to get to his first Super Bowl. Manning's rookie season, their team went 3-13. Peyton Manning's first year went 3-13. Okay, that would be a failure. Did he give up? 10 years later in the Super Bowl, went to four of them, won two of them. Pretty incredible. Peyton Manning once said, it's not wanting to win that makes you a winner. It's refusing to fail. Okay? So as your playing career is going, parents, as your kid's growing up, uh, you know, keep going. Don't let the challenges just stop them from reaching their goals. I can, and I can list more and more stories like Serena Williams, who lost a big match uh, in the U.S. Open. Many consider, considered Williams' loss to be one of the biggest upsets in tennis history. Uh, but it didn't let her, didn't set her back. She went right back to work, uh, and she said, "If you know anything about me, I hate to lose." I, I, I mean, Serena, uh, you and me, we're, we're right on the same page. I hate to lose. She said, "I hate to lose. I've always said I hate losing more than I like winning, so that drives me to be the best that I can be." Looking at failure in a positive light will help you grow. So here's the thing: the bottom line, failure builds. Failure can lead to more failure. Uh, and again, it can keep bringing us back to the bottom of the mountain. But until you learn to use each failure to your advantage to let it fuel your future success, let failure fuel your future success. Fail forward. If you don't embrace failure in a healthy way, you'll get stuck. I know many of you have done that. I know your kids have done that. They get, they get stuck and they won't accomplish what they're able to accomplish. And to me, that would be the worst outcome of it all, right? We want our kids to reach their potential. We, I want you to reach your potential. And by getting stuck in failure, not embracing it, we don't get to do that. So at some point, you need to put your failure aside, embrace it, and get back in the game, get going forward, okay? Uh, so, you know, I can tell you guys so much how much failure has helped me in my career. I have failed so many times uh, and pushed at me so back, but embracing it, loving it, learning from it, 
These are the things that failures teach us and it, and it helps us to fuel our success. It helps us to reach our potential by failing forward and learning to fail from it, okay? So hopefully, hey, hopefully you guys learned some things from that. I know that I talked for a long time uh, and I apologize, but uh, you know, I wanna get to our Q&A session here. I know a lot of you probably had some really good questions. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, we just got done with our, our session on failure and failing forward. And hopefully there's some, some tips in there that could help you help your kids. Uh, and we're going to move into our Q and a time. If you're just tuning in, we're trying to get to 300 likes. <clears throat> I look up at my scoreboard right now. It says 237 likes. We're trying to get to 50 shares. If we get to 50 shares, I'm going to send uh, a random winner, a signed copy of my book, dear coach. Uh, so hit that share button. If you like, if you'd like it, uh, we're going to go into our Q&A time right now. So think about what questions you might have around failure. And I'm going to try to get to as many as I can. And I'll put a 10-minute shot clock on in just a second. So again, thank you for tuning in. If you're just tuning in, uh, we're going to our Q&A time. So get your questions ready. But if you're just tuning in and you missed uh, the question of the day, uh, the question of the day was where are you tuning in from? We've got some people from Canada, Mississippi, Oklahoma, all over the country this year, and Ireland and New Zealand and the United Kingdom. <clears throat> I got to say, we're, we're, we have at least 10 countries representing this morning. So let me know where you're from. And then the question of the day was, who were your sports idols growing up? Who were your sports idols growing up? Uh, so that's my question for you guys. Uh, I'm going to put 10 minutes on the shot clock right now to get to the questions and answers. And I'll start getting to these questions as soon as I possibly can. Alrighty. Celeste says she's uh, tuning in from Bellevue, Nebraska. <clears throat> All right. It looks like Joe's sharing a story real quick. My son was struggling at 11, 12 years old in the field. He was making a lot of errors and it affected him in the box. I didn't know how to fix it and it was killing me. I watched your video on giving permission to fail about two years ago. Immediately after that, I talked to my son in his bedroom and asked if he was afraid to fail and he started crying and said yes. I told him it was okay to fail and that without failing, there's no success. I can honestly say that one talk with him completely changed him and he has blossomed into a confident 14-year-old. Baseball will destroy your confidence in the game of failure. As parents, we need to be there for our kids and pick them up. Uh, Joe, man, I really appreciate you sharing that and I, I really do appreciate you sharing that story. Uh, I, have a video, I have a video called Permission to Fail, which covers a lot of the stuff we talked about this morning. You can Google it or look for it on Facebook. But uh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Good luck to your son. I'm really, really glad you guys, you guys had that talk. <clears throat> Celeste says, my daughter is going through the struggle right now. She is the youngest on our team, 12U, and feels the pressure of the sport. And when the air happens, she is fighting uh, the, the teenager struggle as her mom is the hardest thing to watch. I want to learn to help her through this because I am wired different than her and brush it off. Hey, so hopefully, Celeste, I gave you, I gave you some tools in that video today. Uh, and maybe you could even watch that video with her. You know, take the 20 minutes to watch this video with her. Um, Scott says, fail at 100%, 110% effort and grow exponentially. That's great. Trish says, I often feel kids are okay with failure, especially when they are very young. It becomes problematic and anxiety-ridden when, when and how those around them react to that failure. Uh, agreed. I, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's a switch that goes on uh, sometimes with parents and teachers that we have this expectation that they shouldn't fail anymore. <clears throat> Brian says, how do you handle it when they can't flush it? You know, for me, uh, you know, I have a player on our team right now <laughs> that I, 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 it's literally a work in progress every day. We talk about it every single day. We talk about flushing it. We talk about uh, the process. Uh, it's just, a, it is a process. Uh, and continue to talk about them with it, uh, sit down with them, try to come up with other methods. You know, I, to me, I would sit down with them and really try to figure out a plan uh, for that. So, um, I do think the kids can find a way to do it. I think you can sit down and talk with them about it. And I think you've got to create some accountability with it. To me, one of the ways that we, that we have flush it is that if you make an error uh, and the pitcher looks at you uh, and points at you, hey, you got the next one, you've got to point back or give a thumbs up. You've got to acknowledge that you have flushed it or the pitcher's not going to go into the next play. Uh, and so if you can't flush it, 
I'm going to have to call timeout and bring you out of the game. And this isn't a punishment. It just tells me mentally you're not ready to be in the game, so i, I got to bring you out. And so at, at, at the older levels, we talk about that more and more. Let's see here. <clears throat> Bill asked, somewhat along these lines, my 11-year-old son had an at-bat just the other day, bases loaded, two outs, hit a hard single in left center alley, driving into ultimately the game-winning RBI. Awesome. But he quit on his swing after impact, and he knew it. He knew if he had finished finished it, it was three RBIs and a double or tripling alley. He tells me after the game, I didn't finish my swing. He was reasonably happy with the outcome. He was successful, but he also knew he didn't really take a full swing. He was glad he helped his team win, but he knows he wasn't at his best. What would you tell him? One, I would tell him to focus on the positive. Okay, so whenever we are at the end of a game or at the end of a practice, I ask the kids, what did you do well? What can we improve on? You've got to match those two things together. So for me, hey, what did you do well? Hey, you hit in the driving winning run. Awesome job. Okay, what do we need to do better? And say, okay, you need to finish your swing. Let's work on that and talk about that. They need to be equal things. If you only focus on the positive or you only focus on the negative, the kids are going to, it's not going to have the much growth as you you can possibly have. Scott says, coaching youth sports, I have noticed that coaches refuse to have a conversation with players about failure, especially in a sport like softball where failure is inevitable. This inhibits the growth mentally to reach the full potential. Unfortunately, having these tough conversations are what labeled me as a tough coach, uh, as it's easier for coaches to pacify the players and the parents coach. What do you suggest when talking to other coaches and parents about the importance or the mental aspect of the game? For me, I would talk a lot about uh, I would talk a lot about uh, how important it is, how it helps you win, how, you know, and if you can't get them to buy into that, that's on them. They, they've got to have the growth mindset. They've got to learn to do that. Uh, please welcome my guest uh, appearance this morning from my 160-pound English Mastiff, Winston, who decided to make a, an appearance this morning uh, on, on set. Uh, so thanks, Winston, for dropping in. Uh, if my dog Winston, who I'll talk about later, uh, is a 160 pound English Mastiff. If you don't know what an English Mastiff is, he is a dead ringer for the dog, the beast in the sandlot. You couldn't tell the two of them apart. Um, so four and a half minutes on the shot clock this morning. Carrie asks, as a parent, how do I deal with a negative coach? Someone who's detrimental to failing forward. So it really depends on the age, uh, age of the of the parent, uh, uh, of the uh, not, the level of the coach. If it's a high school coach, uh, you know, there's not much you can do. Uh, I would say if it's a young coach, travel ball coach, I think there are proper ways to communicate that with them, to to have a conversation, uh, to build relationship there, to talk about uh, these things. Uh, and you could introduce videos like the one I just talked about, uh, and, and some key points, maybe share some quotes. Um, you know, it, it just really depends on the, on the kind of, on what kind of, uh, contact, you know, if you, if you have no relationship with a coach and you start telling them what to do, it, it's they get really defensive. So finding a way to have a little talk with them, I think could be really great. Um, and so that's one of the ways that I would do it. Uh, and you know, if it's someone who's, who's abusive uh, is not going to change, and it's a travel ball team that you play on, I would think about going to a different team, okay? Ted asks, how have you found ways to reward failure and risk-taking? So, you know, we, uh, we celebrate it. We talk about it. We, we, we don't bury it. We, we, we celebrate vulnerability. We celebrate when people admit it and own it. We celebrate ownership. So, we, we, I, I give them praise for, for when they failure and they, and, they, and they learn from it. And we talk about it in a positive light. We talk about embracing it a lot. So for me, that's one of the biggest ways. And the same with risk-taking. In practice, I want our athletes to take crazy risks. I don't get mad at them when they do. And then when they take a crazy risk and they fail, you know, uh, we, we talk about that. Okay, hey, that was, man, that was a really awesome risk you took there. But... Like, do you see how that probably didn't work out there? Let's talk about that a little bit, okay? Jason says, good talk, coach. Actually got my kid to listen this morning. He's always rolling his eyes when I show him your post. Hey, trust me, I hear that. My kids roll their eyes at me all day long. Gordon says, I'm doing a lot of research in the area of resilience in sports. Angela Duckworth is developing grit in education. This is aimed at uh, promoting positive failure and bounce back ability. That's cool. 
Pablo says, in regard to failure, your take after coming off a losing season with a team that was projected to do much better. It, to me, that's really an ownership piece of the coaches. What did the coaches do? What 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 happened there for the team to have a losing season when they were projected to do better? And it's a, it's a good time to take some self-reflection to see what did we fail at? Let's, let's take some ownership of what did we not do well and how do we improve on that in the next season? So for me, uh, it, to me... Uh, it's not about the kids in that situation uh, as much as it is about the coaches. What did the coaches do? Uh, what could have they done differently going forward? Christina asks, as a coach, who, how do you stop a player from constantly looking to a parent in the stands after every play pitch? Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, as if, if I'm the coach, I'm going to talk to the kid about it. If it doesn't change, I'm going to talk to the parent about it. Okay, There's, there's no way I'm not going to do that. Uh I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen it at every level, even the college level. I have seen kids that do that. Talk to them. Say, hey, th- th- that can't fly. Do not look for them for that. Why are you looking for them for that? You know, have a good conversation with them about it. Uh, to me, that's crazy. Uh, but I have seen it many, many times. Let's see. Any other questions this morning? Then we got 36 seconds, so I'll get to the last two questions. How do you handle emotional players when they're hard on themselves after failure? Uh, I give them extra love. I just you got to love on them. You got to give them uh, the attention. You've got to really work with them on figuring out how to lower that emotion. Uh, you know, talk to them about failure. Talk to them about the things that uh, that I'm talking about this morning. Uh, to me, that would be the biggest thing uh, for me. Uh, last question of the morning, Ryan asked, do you believe players set their expectations so high that the goals almost feel unattainable, therefore making them feel like a failure? It can be. And so that's why you've got to make really tangible goals and you've got to make attainable goals. So for me, you've got to make those really, really clear. You've got to make those attainable and they've got to be tangible. For me, I can't have a student athlete say, Uh, you know what, I want to be an All-American or I want to be All-Conference. Those are things they can't control. But you can say, hey, you know, as a softball player, I want to get on base this much times. I want to work on my on-base percentage. Uh, I want to work on my free throw percentage. Uh, Whatever the tangible goal is. But yes, a lot of times athletes set their expectations, expectations too high. That's why each coach and each parent needs to sit down and talk to their kid about expectations. If you're not talking to your kids about what their expectations are, and obviously you don't want to lower them. You don't want to set them too high, but have a conversation about it. And you can adjust expectations as the season goes. Make them smaller. Don't make them so grand. Season-long expectations. Win today. Win this game. Win this pitch. Make these expectations much, much smaller. To me, that would be the biggest thing that I would do in regards to dealing with that. Um, again, thank you for everybody who tuned in this morning. Uh, if you're just tuning in, hit that like button, hit that share button. Uh, we're coming to the end of our show and I appreciate everyone who's tuning in. Uh, it's been a long show this morning. I talked for a long time. Uh, but I want to leave you with a quote, uh, this morning. Uh, I always want to leave you guys with some advice to, 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 uh, to head off with. And today's quote is a great one. Uh, and I, I already read it if you were listening to the thing, but came from, comes from Michael Jordan. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Okay? So, uh, again, if you guys want to connect with me, I always appreciate you guys connecting with me on social media. Uh, I could use some more Instagram followers, so follow me on Instagram today. Head over to Coach uh, Instagram at Coach Lyle, uh, Twitter at Coach Lyle uh, as well. I appreciate everyone connecting with me on social media. Obviously, on Facebook here is a great place. And check out the YouTube channel. All of the shows uh, are put on YouTube later. All the segments are put on YouTube. So if you want to go back and watch old segments, uh, they're on YouTube. So head over to youtube.com slash Coach Lyle. Uh, my scoreboard shows 347 likes today. That's awesome. Hit that likes button. Hit that thanks button. And somehow you tuned in at the very end of this show. The questions of the day is where are you tuning in from? And who were your sports idols growing up? Okay. So I had a lot of fun today. Thank you to everyone who tuned in and shared some coffee with me. But now it's time to say goodbye.
But I'll see you again tomorrow, same time, same place. Now go out and win the day.